Hello, and welcome to Talking Opinions. I am Anthony Livingston Hall. Democrats control both the White House and Congress. Yet, they have managed to inject partisan conflict and political suspense into the legislative sausage-making process. This by haggling themselves into needing Republicans to enact even politically existential legislation. Most notably, a voting rights bill that every Democrat insists is necessary to prevent Republicans from systematically rigging elections across the country in perpetuity. I see no point in delving into the procedural machinations afoot. Suffice it to know that Democrats are in this untenable position primarily because of the utterly vexing commitment one Democratic senator, namely Joe Manchin of West Virginia, has to the Senate's filibuster rule. Simply put, for reasons only a Republican or a neo-Confederate Southerner can possibly appreciate, Manchin thinks preserving the way whites used the filibuster to stall voting rights for blacks in the 20th century is more important than protecting voting rights for blacks in the 21st. The point is that his antique commitment has not only given Republicans de facto veto power over President Biden's legislative agenda, but also made Manchin a veritable kingmaker among Democratic legislators. The effect played out in dramatic fashion over the summer, as Democrats tried to pass that voting rights bill. And I cannot overstate that its aim was merely to prevent Republicans from suppressing the votes of blacks and from subverting the results of elections to favour their candidates. I will make clear in a moment why nobody had any reason to expect any Republican to vote for this bill. But Democrats were shocked and dismayed when Manchin opposed it too. In one of the daily press gaggles he began holding, like presidential press conferences, he explained that the bill, as written, was just too broad, and assured that he could draft a compromise, which he was certain he could get at least ten Republicans to vote for. This is how Democrats ended up placing the fate not just of the White House and Congress, but of American democracy itself, in the hands of Manchin and a few Republicans of purported good faith. <laughs> but, apropos of shock and dismay, this is how Manchin reportedly felt when Republicans closed ranks to filibuster even his milk-toast version of that voting rights bill. Here is how the Washington Post summarized this political farce in a report on October 20. 
and I quote, Manchin spent the past month wooing Republican colleagues, including Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, to support it. Yet no Republican emerged to support the bill, let alone the ten needed to join Democrats to open debate on it. End quote. You'd be forgiven for thinking that Manchin was crazy for expecting any Republican to support any voting rights bill, including his. But he's not crazy. He's just conceited. Because, with all due respect to Senator Kristen Sinema of Arizona, who you might have heard about in this context, Manchin clearly thinks he is first among equals in the Democratic caucus of the U.S. Senate. Uh, to be fair, though, one can hardly blame him. After all, as Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont routinely bemoaned, a 50-50 Senate means any senator can hold Biden's agenda hostage by dictating terms for the passage of any bill, the way Manchin has been doing so willfully with each one. As it happened, Biden himself made gallows humor of this cursed fate during a town hall on October 22, when he deadpanned, and I quote, Look, when you have 50 Democrats, every one is a president. Every single one. End quote. And Biden wasn't even referring to that voting rights bill. Because Manchin has also made quite a show of playing kingmaker or president with respect to Biden's Bill Back Better bill a.k.a. the Social or Human Infrastructure Bill. In this case, after months of infighting, Democrats finally obeyed his imperial decrees, not only to trim this bill from 3.5 down to 1.75 trillion, but also to cut out signature programs for clean energy, paid family leave, and dental and vision coverage. This is the context in which a thoroughly humbled, yet resolved Biden, stood at a press conference in Glasgow, Scotland on Monday and staked his presidency on Democrats passing this watered-down bill within days. <laughs> Except that Manchin could not resist continuing the trend of Democrats looking more like a SNL version of the Suicide Squad than a governing party, <laughs> because only that explains the defiant press conference he held in Washington within hours of Biden's in Scotland. Specifically, Manchin denounced funding for the Bill Back Better bill as nothing more than shell games and budget gimmicks that will not only increase inflation, but seemed concocted to pull the wool over the eyes of the American people. And this cold baron from West Virginia ended his performance by assuring the American people 
that he will not let his fellow Democrats get away with it. <laughs> the problem, of course, is that, in his presidential press conference, Biden had just cited what he and every Democrat had been citing for months, namely that this bill is fully paid for, will reduce the deficit, bring down the cost of health care, child care, elder care, and housing, and, to top it off, that 17 Nobel Prize-winning economists have published findings showing that it will reduce inflation. This is why Joe Manchin saying that he needs more time to get clarity on the economic impact makes about as much sense as Nicki Minaj saying that she needs more time to research the efficacy of COVID vaccines. Uh, by the way, Senator Manchin's This Dog Won't Hunt denunciation of Biden's Build Back Better bill in the Senate press room was not as dramatic as Senator McCain's thumbs-down vote against Trump's plan to repeal Obamacare on the Senate floor. But the devastating effect of Manchin's denunciation will be far greater, not just for Biden's presidency and the Democrats' control of Congress, but also for the welfare of the country. And I'm sorry, but the timing of his press conference reeked of Manchurian mischief. I mean, it could not have been timed to deliver a more humiliating blow to his fellow Democrats. <laughs> Frankly, all that's left is for Manchin to declare his intent to switch parties, leaving Democrats he led down this primrose path to clean up his mess. But here is the kicker. This is not the first time Manchin has led Democrats down a primrose path. Because he played the Manchurian senator when fate cast him in a similar role to water down former President Obama's legislation on gun control. Like now, he assured Democrats back then that he could get Republicans to support his compromise bill which ended up being little more than background checks on gun purchases. Yet here is how I commented back then. In Senate Rejects Even Watered Down Gun Control Bill on April 18, 2013. And I quote, It came as no surprise to me when the Senate voted against the Manchin-Toomey compromise yesterday effectively killing all hopes of passing any form of gun control legislation. President Obama made no attempt to disguise his disgust when he said, There are no coherent arguments as to why we didn't do this. It came down to politics. They caved to the pressure 
and they started looking for an excuse, any excuse, to vote no. So all in all, this was a pretty shameful day for Congress. <laughs> Except, Mr. President, this is not the first, and it won't be the last, shameful day for Congress. End quote. Uh, to be fair, though, I suspect even a disgusted Obama knew back then that the conspiracy between Manchin playing Manchurian politics and Republicans caving to pressure would cause Congress to have many more shameful days. But I doubt even he could have imagined a day more shameful than October 20, 2021. As mentioned earlier, that was when, just months after former President Trump incited the infamous January 6 insurrection, every single Republican member of Congress caved to the pressure and gave credence to his big lie that fraud cost him the 2020 presidential election. Despite knowing this big lie animated that insurrection, Republicans ascribed no blame and showed no shame as they voted to reject the watered-down version of Manchin's voting rights bill. They then reinforced their Jim Crow intent by filibustering the John Lewis voting rights bill in similar fashion on Wednesday. And yes, I say Jim Crow advisedly. After all, this bill merely updates parts of the Landmark Voting Rights Act of 1965, which Congress enacted to combat Jim Crow-style voter suppression. More to the point, Congress has routinely reauthorized it with zero opposition including most recently in 2006, when Republicans joined with Democrats to reauthorize it, 98 to 0. Therefore, it's an ominous indication of how committed Republicans have become to suppressing the votes of black folks, that not a single one voted to open debate, let alone vote to reauthorize, this landmark bill. And, just like Trump, none of them seemed the least bit bothered by the hypocrisy inherent in refusing to do so, after hailing John Lewis as a voting rights icon when he died last year. But the crazy thing is that it seems Democrats will never learn because here, as reported in Wednesday's edition of the Washington Post, is how Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer channeled former President Barack Obama's lament after this latest shameful day. And I quote, This is a low, low point in the history of this body, Schumer said after the failed vote, later adding, 
the Senate is better than this. End quote. <laughs> well, humor might think so. But Republicans keep making a dramatic show of proving otherwise. But this is not about Republicans. It's about the way Manchin is bedeviling the efforts of Democrats to enact Biden's presidential agenda. And, truth be told, Democrats would be forgiven for thinking at this point that he is exactly what I've been implying, namely, a Republican in Democratic clothing, a.k.a. the Manchurian Senator. But Biden is partly to blame for this unfolding mess, which voters in Virginia threw into foreboding relief on Tuesday. This by electing Republican Glenn Youngkin over Democrat Terry McAuliffe as governor, despite Biden thumping Trump in that state by 10 points just last year. Because Biden had a golden opportunity to avoid putting his presidential agenda and the fate of American democracy in Manchin's hands. As it happens, I advised him at length on how to do so in Biden. Don't bank on flipping two seats in Georgia. Barter with sitting Republican senators way back on November 13, 2020. In short, I advised him to dispatch his newly appointed chief of staff to make secret back-channel overtures to Republican senators of states with Democratic governors. The aim was to offer them either low-level cabinet positions or plum ambassadorial assignments that would tempt even Trump butt-boy Lindsey Graham. A truth be told, though, I think those senators would have welcomed any offer as a political life raft. This to jump off the batshit crazy ship that was the Republican Party sinking into a black hole of President Trump's devices. Except the train to hell might be a better metaphor. Because if you think this was far-fetched, you need only recall Graham's famous It's been a hell of a ride, but I'm getting off this train speech on the floor of the Senate, on the night of January 6. Even he was ready to jump. Anyway, once two or more accepted offers, none of them could refuse. The Democratic governors of their respective states could then appoint Democratic senators to replace them. In which case, no matter what happened down in Georgia that following January, Biden would have already had a Congress wholly controlled by Democrats to implement his agenda. Except that he failed to seize that foolproof way to prevent this all-too-foreseeable farce. But just imagine for a moment a Biden presidency with a Senate composed of 52 or more Democrats instead of the 50 that are causing so much angst and dysfunction.
I submit to you that instead of haggling in Congress over the watered-down remains of his $1.75 trillion bill, Democrats would be traveling across the country, touting the transformative benefits of a $3.5 trillion Build Back Better bill, not to mention being able to hail passage of voting rights legislation, which Manchin made the first casualty of his role as kingmaker. And, mind you, I even followed up that November 2020 commentary with To Joe Biden on cutting Joe Manchin down to size on May 3, 2021. And again, more threateningly, in Every Democratic Senator can play kingmaker. So why is Manchin the only one playing it? On June 9, 2021. Uh, That said, I'd be remiss not to say just a little more about Senator Kristen Sinema, Manchin's co-conspirator, who I mentioned only in passing earlier. Because... If Manchin has been acting like a Manchurian senator, it's arguable that Cinema has been acting like a Trojan horse. Reports abound about Senate and House negotiators alike expressing utter consternation over the inscrutable way Cinema has been telegraphing Manchin-like opposition to Biden's agenda. Because, unlike Manchin, she stubbornly refuses to say exactly what she opposes. Evidently, she just thinks negotiating with her peers is beneath her and keeps demanding direct negotiations with the president himself. Sure enough, affirming his lament that each senator thinks they are president Biden has probably met with cinema more often than with any member of his cabinet this year. Still, apropos of her inscrutability, it would not surprise me to learn that wealthy Republican donors bought cinema's affection and party affiliation long ago. She might just be waiting for Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to give her the opportunity to march center stage on the Senate floor to emulate the late Senator McCain. This, not just by doing to a major Biden bill what McCain famously did to Trump's attempt to repeal Obamacare, complete with a dramatic thumbs down, but also by joining Manchin in making quite a show of switching political parties. In the meantime, I suspect Representative Cory Bush of Missouri vented what all Democrats are feeling when the Hill quoted her reacting to Manchin's press conference on Monday as follows. Joe Manchin does not get to dictate the future of our country. Joe Manchin's opposition to the Build Back Better bill is anti-black, anti-child, anti-woman, 
and anti-immigrant. Joe Manchin must support the Build Back Better Bill. End quote. Uh, she is right, of course. His opposition is anti-black, anti-child, anti-woman, and anti-immigrant. Except she is clearly wrong in asserting that he must support this bill, and even more so, that he does not get to dictate the future of the country. After all, as Manchin has been demonstrating all year, yes, he can. Even so, Democrats finally enacted Biden's physical infrastructure bill this week. This is the one that will prepare America's bridges, rails, roads, airports, seaports, water systems, electric grid, broadband, and much more for the 21st century complete with a network of plug-in electric vehicle chargers from coast to coast. Unfortunately, his human infrastructure bill, that Build Back Better one, is still in the sausage-making process. But, despite Manchin's machinations, I am convinced Democrats will finally get their act together not just to enact a still transformative version of this bill with provisions for clean energy, childcare, universal pre-K, affordable housing and healthcare, but also to enact a meaningful version of that stalled voting rights bill. But you'd be forgiven for having doubts given the spectacle speaker Nancy Pelosi has made throughout this process of repeatedly setting deadlines for voting on these historic bills only to postpone them at the last minute. <laughs> Frankly, she has been looking less like Nancy, the great legislator, and more like Lucy, the great manipulator. <laughs> I'm referring, of course, to the Peanuts character famous for repeatedly moving the football after promising Charlie Brown she would let him kick it. <laughs> uh, that's it. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to contact me, I invite you to email anthonyhall279 at gmail.com or use the contact feature on my blog at www.ipjn.com. Thank you for listening, and until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.